Why do people want to be at work? To feel heard, appreciated, part of something, and to know there's a career path for everyone. Inclusive workplaces are linked to increased innovation, productivity, and employee satisfaction. Make your organization a place where people want to be. For inclusion and diversity training, visit inclusion-program.com.au. You're listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonçalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 27th of July 2022. The headline inflation rate has come in at a 21-year high of 6.1% for the year, placing further pressure on the Reserve Bank to continue lifting interest rates aggressively. For more, I spoke earlier with economist Saul Eslake. Saul, how would you describe the current inflationary environment in Australia? Well, it's worrying and concerning. Today's figures show that inflation is running at its highest level since 1990, which of course was the last time the Reserve Bank felt it necessary to push interest rates up to levels that induced a recession in order to, in Paul Keating's famous phrase, snap the inflation stick. It's to be very much hoped we don't have the same outcome this time, but clearly the Reserve Bank will need to raise interest rates some more in order to ensure that after peaking later this year, inflation does fall over the following 12 to 18 months back into its 2 to 3% target range. That's the interesting thing, right? So that annual inflation rate is at 6.1%. I think uh, a few weeks or months ago, the Reserve Bank already said, hey, we expect inflation to reach 7%. We'll talk about that in a few more moments. But, but where is most of this price pressure coming from that we saw in the report today? Well, in the June quarter, as in the March quarter, though not quite to the same extent, more than half the inflation is coming from just two sources. Higher petrol prices, which is obviously global in nature, it reflects the increases in crude oil prices over this period, dampened a little by the previous government's reduction in fuel excise. And secondly, it comes from an increase of more than 30% over the last year sorry, I should say that again, an increase of more than 20% over the last year in new dwelling construction costs, which has a global element to it, but also, of course, reflects the inflation of the demand for new housing by the combination of very generous first-home owner grants and very low interest rates. But having said that those two factors account for more than half the increase in inflation in the last two quarters. Nonetheless, it's also clear from the last two quarters numbers that inflation has become more broadly based. There are 90 different expenditure subclasses, as the ABS calls them in the CPI. And whereas over the decade to the end of last year, typically about 35 of those 90 would show falls in prices each quarter and about 55 show increases, in the last two quarters, fewer than 15 items in the CPI have shown price declines, whilst more than 70 of the items in the CPI have shown price increases. And in the last two quarters, more than 20 items have shown price increases of more than 3% 
in the past two quarters. So inflation certainly becoming more broadly based. And that's why it can't be dismissed as solely due to things that are beyond the Reserve Bank's control. But at the same time, isn't the consumer still spending? I mean, yesterday, for example, uh, Maya was saying that sales are up and, and numbers are going to be better than expecting. So how does the consumer feel? And do rate rises and higher inflation take a bit of time to flow through to the consumer? Because I know we're already seeing property prices, for example, start to, to start to ease. Well, yes, consumer demand does appear still to be very strong. We'll get an update tomorrow on how strong retail sales were in June, but we know they rose as much in May, the first when the first increase in interest rates took place as they did in April. And we also know that the biggest contributor to the increase in consumer spending in May was spending at department stores, which is largely discretionary. Households do have, in aggregate, a very large volume of pent-up savings accumulated since the onset of COVID, which they're clearly drawing down in order to sustain their spending in the face of higher prices and now higher interest rates. And while no doubt households at the bottom end of the income distribution on pensions and benefits and on low wages are experiencing, in some cases, considerable difficulty, it would seem the majority of Australian households are so far able to cope fairly well. They will have been reinforced during the current month by another round of personal income tax cuts. And although interest rates have gone up a lot over the last three months, by historical standards, they're still very low. They're negative in real terms. And that's why the Reserve Bank's now in a hurry to put interest rates back to a level that's more appropriate for an economy with unemployment at three and a half percent, a 48 year low, and inflation at six percent, a 30 year high. So just how much of a hurry is the Reserve Bank in to lift interest rates? What are you expecting it to now do next week? And, and does it change where you think the peak in interest rates is going to be? I don't think there's anything in today's numbers that would warrant the Reserve Bank raising rates by 75 basis points at next Tuesday's board meeting, as some have speculated, although the US Federal Reserve will probably raise their rates by 75 basis points overnight our time. Uh, Their inflation rate is three percentage points higher than ours, and their board doesn't meet as often as ours does. So if they want to get rates up to a particular level, they have to raise them more at each meeting than our Reserve Bank board needs to do. I would think the Reserve Bank is still likely to want to get the cash rate up to about two and a half percent by the end of this year, which implies if they do 50 next week, that they'll need to do 25 basis points or thereabouts at each of the remaining four meetings in 2022. And they may well raise the cash rate further to somewhere closer to 3% in the early months of 2023, unless they see earlier evidence that inflation is starting to fall around the world. Uh, That's a possibility, but it's not one that I would be banking on at this stage. And finally, what do you think are the risks associated with having rising inflation and rising rates? Well, the risk clearly is, as the IMF warned overnight, that central banks take rates up further than proves necessary to bring inflation down. And in so doing, 
unintentionally tips the economy into recession. Uh, that's happened, although not much in the last 20 years, is certainly what happened in Australia at the end of the 1980s and the beginning of the 1990s. And that's not something we want to see repeated now. And finally, with inflation at 6.1%, which we, you've mentioned how the consumer has got a lot of savings to draw on, interest rates are rising, but still relatively low. To what extent is the consumer being impacted? I mean, we, we hear a lot about the rising cost of living. Is it really that tough one? It's certainly tough for those who are on very low wages or who are on pensions and benefits where past increases in wages or in lagged indexed pensions and benefits aren't fully compensating for the price increases, especially for essential items that have risen more in price than discretionary items. And people on low incomes spend a bigger proportion of their low incomes on essential items than more affluent households. So I don't doubt for a moment that people in the bottom half of the income distribution really are feeling a pinch from rising prices, and if they have mortgages as well, then from rising interest rates too. But in aggregate, Australian households are, as the Deputy Governor of the Reserve Bank said last week, on the whole, reasonably well-placed to cope with the sort of increases in interest rates that financial markets are now pricing. There are households who will be adversely affected by further increases in variable rates, and those who've come off very low fixed rates when their fixed rate mortgages expire will face potentially significantly higher increases in their repayments. But each of those groups, though they're not trivially small, don't account for a majority of Australian households. So less like their economists speaking about the CPI numbers out today, which moved the markets higher, the 200 up by half, uh, 0.2%, 6,823. For more on what the markets thought, I spoke earlier with Hebe Chen from IG Markets. Yeah, the Australian market is actually pretty flat or muted today. We see the market has been bounced up a little bit in the morning, but then immediately fell back into the negative zone after the CPI print. While talking about CPI, I think the CPI print today is a bit of bittersweet for the market to digest. Um, on the positive side, yes, the headline CPI is actually lower than the market expect. But if you're looking for the core CPI, which often is the central bank preferred as the inflation indicator, is actually higher than expectation and is coming to the three decade high level. So which has brought to me is that I tend to think the market, sorry, I tend to think the RBA will probably take a more hawkish move, meaning that they will probably move more than 50 basis points, 75 basis points probably will be on the table for the RBA's next Tuesday's meeting. Well, by today, it looks like to me that the future market is pricing in roughly about 81% chance that RBA will move more than 50 basis points. On top of that, one thing also caught my eyes from the CPI today is that if you're looking for the big contributor for the CPI, the largest chunk is coming from the housing market, meaning the housing element has increased by 9.4%. That's suggesting the economy in Australia, in particular the housing economy, is still pretty strong. The demand is still pretty high. The purchasing power from the household savings still kind of offset the impact from the interest rate. The big one, though, when we're talking about interest rates is the US Federal Reserve tomorrow. What's the market expecting? 
Yeah, um, I think all eyes will be glued to the Fed meeting tonight, and they will they are going to announce the next round of interest hike tomorrow morning for Australian time. At this stage, the market is expecting the 75 basis point from the U.S. Central Bank, and they're following their previous three meetings, 1.5 hike that will bring the interest rate in um, U.S. to be above the neutral level, and they will follow the New Zealand Central Bank, the Canada, and the Korean to be the, another country above the uh, this neutral level. Well, I think apart from this part, the market is probably more looking at what the Fed, what the um, U.S. central bank said rather than what they do. Because the investors, the global investors, very keen to know what their position in terms of the economy headwinds, particularly when the U.S. will report it quarter to GDP tonight. And that is expected to be another decline in terms of the GDP growth. So at this stage, I think overall the market is kind of more focused on the recession risk rather than inflation. Of course, that's another quite hot topic as well. But what the central bank looking at the recession risk will be a key watch for tomorrow morning's um, the conference. Okay, so given all of that, which stock sectors saw the biggest moves today and why? Um, looking at today's Australian market, the healthcare sector is the biggest winner by jumping about 1.5%. Uh, actually, the healthcare has been outperformed most of the sectors, probably because the renewed talk about the new COVID wave recently. Um, in terms of the biggest losers for today's of this week, tech sectors, also the material sectors are dropping the most by more than 1.5%. The impact or the pressure coming from the material sector is probably coming from last night. The IMF has downgraded the global economy outlook by another 0.4% by reasoning to the headwind in the US economy and the China economy. Um, this pressure coming from the tech sector is probably coming from the Microsoft reporting a disappointment. Uh, earnings for the previous quarter, and that kind of triggered a new a renewed fear about what the impact the economy will have the broad technology sectors. Hebi Chen there from IG Markets. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.